And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Yes, hello and good morning everybody. It is episode 165 here of The Drop Set. Darren Starr, your host this morning um, and every morning that we're here, realistically. Um, so it is April 3rd, 2020, starting recording this at about 7.13 in the morning. Uh, I appreciate you being here with me. Thank you. We've got a lot of stuff to come to. Um, got a couple of uh, questions from people that we want to dive into, a topic that I want to discuss myself. A little personal update, as always, will be coming soon as well. We're going to kick things off, however, with um, something that I wanted to go over myself, and that is simply because... I've been talking about this so much lately. Uh, I don't want to say I'm sick of it because the conversation is a little bit different every time. Um, but I want to talk about home gyms because it has never been more relevant than it is right now. So if ever there was a time for us to dig in on this and ha have a good <clears throat> in-depth quality discussion on what it takes, now is the time. Well, realistically, probably about two weeks ago would have been the time. But hey, better late than never, right? So this comes on the heels of a whole bunch of, um, you know, I should stop for a second. Hold on. Let, let's rewind the tape here just a second. I skipped over one thing that was very important. I didn't skip over it. I kind of glossed over it. The date, April 3rd, 2020. So for those of you who are time capsuling this podcast, and by that I mean those who might start listening to this six months down the road, and you're starting from episode one, and I've heard some people who have done this. I mean, apparently this is the common thing. Like, if I was going to come in and listen to a podcast, I'd start with the most recent stuff. And if there were, um, if, if they weren't putting out episodes fast enough for me to, to, in order to keep pace with my listening rate, I'd start going backwards from there. What I hear more often than not, though, is people who are like, hey, I found your podcast. I just listened to the first episode, and I'm like, oh, my God, the first episode? Really? People are still listening to that? I should probably like find a way to disappear that from the archives. Because uh, I, I haven't gone back and listened to it. I'm not going to. That That's going to be hard. Episode one? Are you kidding me? I have a hard time going back ten episodes and listening to that. But the first one? who man. No, that's going to be rough. Um, so they haven't even gotten to the mono days where uh, I had some technical issues and we put out probably about 20 or so episodes that were all in mono before I figured out what was going on, uh, where it was just one side of the headphones. That was it. So you, you've got that to look forward to um, or to reminisce on because if you've gotten to this point, you've probably heard that already if you're binging this whole thing. Anyway, I digress. April 3rd, 2020. So if you're listening to this in December, January 2021, something like that, Think back, what was going on in April? April of 2020, what was going on? Oh, yeah, we were all fucking quarantined. That's what was going on back then. So just to set a little context for you, that's where we're at right now. So that's assuming we still have technology and the Internet and electricity and all that stuff in December and January. So fingers are crossed for that. So that's why the discussion on home gyms is super relevant right now because of where we're at. So for those who aren't listening to this in real time but are going to come back to this some number of months down the road or whatever, j just a little context for you right there. We're in the thick of this thing. At least I hope so. Who knows? <laughs> Once again, with the hindsight of history, um, all of this may end up sounding really dumb. Uh, I'd say there's a good chance of that, actually. So, at any rate, um, home gyms, let's talk here. So, when this whole thing broke, my initial reaction as a coach was, um, first of all, oh shit, and second, I'm, I'm going to have to get busy on some home workouts. So, I've, I've long 
been an advocate for commercial gyms just because the the quality of work, the access to equipment, et cetera, that you can get in there, it's just far and away better than what you can get at home. And I still believe that. Um, now, you, you can do a lot at home for sure. The question comes down to two main variables, and that's expense and space. Um, for everyone, you know, if you could work out at home, if you could idealize the whole thing, it's much more efficient for sure. You save on commute time. Uh, if you have kids, suddenly you don't have to worry about childcare. You don't have to worry about other people getting in your way. Your workouts can be a little bit faster because you don't have to worry about sharing equipment with anybody or anything like that. So on paper, yeah, it's a good thing. But when you get down to the practical application of it, you know, how, how, what, what's the expense of all of the equipment in a commercial gym? Hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars, and so clearly that's not your budget at home. So we're going to have to make some concessions here. We're going to have to live without a lot of things. We're going to have to find substitutes for many more things, and some things can be a direct replacement. Um, but just if you were going to price out how much a dumbbell rack costs, and let's say you're a fairly big, strong dude, and you can work up to hundreds, one tens, one twenties, something like that, the cost in getting a uh, a a set of dumbbells like that is astronomical. Um, and then you'd be like, well, what about selectorized dumbbells? Sure. Um, a set of selectorized dumbbells that go up to, you know, let's just run the math on this really quick. Selectorized dumbbell set. So Google's going to think I want to buy this. And so, yeah, so these um, Bowfec, Bowflex Select Tech 552, which means they're adjustable up to, I think, 50. 55 pounds probably for a pair is almost 400 bucks 376 bucks so um not cheap i mean 400 bucks for this nordic track set i don't know what that even goes up to um here's one that it's adjustable up to 71 and a half pounds but it's a single for 270 bucks it's not a pair so um you know, I mean, a, a set of selectorized dumbbells is going to be pretty expensive. So this is where, if you're a strong guy, you get really screwed, or a strong woman for that example, for for that case as well. So um, the more weight you can push, I mean, obviously you need more weight to push. Then, so that's going to set you back a lot more. If we're going to say like um, 110 pound hex dumbbell, I don't know. Let me just take a look at this and see if it. Uh, yeah, so here here is one of those like rubber coated dumbbells. It's a ninety five pounder for one hundred and sixty bucks. That's a single. That's a single. So th my my point being, um, okay, here's a rubber hex dumbbell, one hundred and thirty pounds for one hundred and thirty dollars. So that seems a little bit more reasonable to me. Ninety five pounds for one hundred and sixty seems crazy. Pair of one tens here for two hundred and seventy bucks. That's from Rogue. Um, you don't want you don't even want to know what the shipping is on those probably. <laughs> shipping two hundred and twenty pounds in a small-ish box that looks like it should have a thing of toilet paper inside it. Yeah, that's going to be, uh, you're going to pay for dimensional weight on that one. Um, so anyway, figure if you if you go ballpark, cheap, inexpensive, maybe used, you're probably paying it about a dollar a pound, um, which means, yeah, a, a set of hundreds is going to set you back 200 bucks minimum. So point being the expense in just getting a dumbbell rack that is um, well fleshed out and can take you up to capacity astronomical i mean it's ridiculous i mean that alone is completely and totally um unrealistic uh so instead it makes sense like okay selectorized dumbbells let's get a set of those you know it's going to set us back about 400 bucks but that's a lot of versatility minimal space okay it's a lot more efficient now if you can go uh, if if weights higher than 52 and a half 55 pounds are useful for you 
then suddenly you're going to have to make some modifications here. So, you know, it, you're, you're not going, if, you, if you're typically incline pressing 90s, 100s, 110s, well, suddenly an incline dumbbell press is just not an exercise you're going to do anymore. So by virtue of reducing your equipment uh, inventory, you're going to be reducing your exercise vocabulary as well. So that's just one of the nature of, one of the, the natural repercussions of working out at home is you are going to have a reduced exercise vocabulary, period. Really no way around that. Uh, and I've seen some really good home gyms. Nobody has everything. Now, that is also true in commercial gyms. And one of the things that I regularly track with clients is, okay, what is, t what is missing from your commercial gym that I would consider fairly standard? Most common there is hack squat, lion leg curl, T-bar row. Those are the three things that more gyms fail to have that I still consider very basic pieces of equipment. So, um, to be sure, a commercial gym is not like the end-all, be-all solution that's always going to be perfect. But it's the most cost-effective, and people talk about, I'm building my home gym to save on gym memberships. Yeah, are you planning on living to, to be 200 years old? Because that's the point at which you start to recoup those costs. Uh, I mean, a gym membership is typically pretty inexpensive, unless you live in New York City. And uh, a home gym is not inexpensive. If you want to really, I mean, if you if you want to build up something that's comparable and you've got the space for it, it's no no contest as to what's more cost effective. I know you can you can find deals on stuff, et cetera, but it still adds up. And so if you want to have fewer limitations on your exercise vocabulary, you're going to need a lot of stuff. Now, that being said, this whole coronavirus situation has kind of flipped the script on that a little bit. So now it's not about which is more ideal. It's that, okay, one of these is no longer an option, so we have to go with plan B. We have to. So the question that I've been um, asking people and the scenario that I've been playing through is what equipment do you have at home and what are you able to acquire? Like, give me some idea on budget and space. Um, and a lot of people are really lacking in one or both of those, which is fine. I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, well, you know what? Clearly, you just need to go into debt to be able to um, to outfit a home gym. Or you obviously just need to move because the house or apartment where you are right now is just totally insufficient. No, I mean, you know, I, I figure that those are things that I have zero control over. So I take whatever the situation is and then we work with that. So some people are like, I have nothing and I can't really get anything. Cool. All right. Well, that makes it really easy. We're going all body weight all the way. There you go. Problem solved. Now, the problem then becomes from the next step up, which is typically like, I have something and it might be really random. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it might not be the most useful combination of things in the world, but it's what I got. I'm like, okay, that's our starting point. So this tells me that, you know, you, you've been willing to invest a little on some equipment. You've got space to put some stuff. So maybe we can get a couple more things to flush some stuff out. Okay, cool. We can work with that. Uh, and I tell you what, I've seen some weird things in this situation. Like I, I've actually heard from somebody who said, I have a pair of 10-pound dumbbells, a 15-kilogram kettlebell, a jump rope, and a broken treadmill. Okay, so what you're basically telling me is you you don't really have anything. I got gotcha. you. Okay, um, and you know th there's some people that I work with who have really you know pretty well equipped home gyms, which is nice and convenient, and they can go through a split that I write for a commercial gym, and with just a couple quick little modifications here and there, uh, make it work, uh, which is awesome. And so I've got I don't know a good number of clients that that have been in that situation before this whole thing broke out. You know probably. I don't know, 10 or so. 
um, who who have good home gyms and just work out from there. And to be clear, there's one or two that have home gyms that are really much less good, but we kind of make it work. We have a lot of adapting to do. Um, but it, they aren't so limited. Like, you know, there's no, no option to replace or sub out any kind of cable exercise. That That's where I start to say, you know, if, if we're operating without cables, the home gym situation, if we're trying to translate a split written for a commercial gym to a home gym without a cable setup, it's just really, really difficult. So, um, it, also what can help is knowing what's available out there, what you can pick up, like people who have a rack at home. Did you know that if you go through Rogue, you can pick up a, an attachment that's an add-on for a rack that gives you pulley capabilities? Yeah, I mean, it requires a drill and a little bit of ingenuity to, to make it work, but yeah, you can do that. You could also just go to Lowe's and pick up the stuff to do it yourself if you're really inclined to do so. Um, and it's it's not a bad idea. Like having the ability to work in like a high pulley or something like that so that you can do vertical standing high pulls, etc. Um, have a low attachment as well. Um, man, that makes a big difference. It really does. It really does. So um, a home gym is a really good solution for a do-it-yourselfer who has the ability then to adapt things a little bit and, you know, come up with some creative solutions for stuff and make it work. But what I've been doing a lot more of, it, rather than saying, okay, what do you have, et cetera, what do, what do you have at home? What does your home gym makeup look like? What does your space look like? It's just assuming the worst that, you know, we're not going to invest a lot of money in this. We don't have a lot of space to work with. It's a temporary solution um, that we just need for the short term here. So what I don't want to send people out to do is like, okay, go and get this giant piece of equipment or, you know, go ahead and invest a ton of money in this stuff. I've had a few clients who have done that. Um, so what? Uh, one client, Jennifer, a little shout out to you because you're awesome. Um, she went and picked up this like big, oh, I can't remember what it was, um, what brand it was. I don't remember, but it's one of those things, if you've seen it, it's similar to like a, uh, a life fitness dual cross um, where it's got, uh, it, it's a big beast of a system that look I mean it's about the size of like a stand-up tanning booth it's something like that um and it's got two cables so there's a left one and a right one they they adjust up and down on a rail each set has its own weight stack you can hook in um things or you can like attach a bar to them and hook the two sides together so you can um do like uh you know you could set it all the way up high. You could do pull-ups from it. If you set it down low, you can actually stick that bar on your back and do weighted squats with it, et cetera. Um, so she actually picked up that thing. She's like, screw it. I've been looking at this thing for a while, and this is all the, all the impetus I need to pull the trigger on this. Sweet. So she got it, and then she sent over some videos of what she's doing with it. And <laughs> I'm like, this this is really creative. Like the little workout exercise card that came with this machine, man, they really – they really were thinking about this. I mean, some of the stuff she was doing, like, um, it comes with a bar, but it also comes with a belt. Um, so you could like hook that belt into each side of the pulleys and then put the belt around your back and do squats like that rather than a bar. Um, or you could do other things with it. Well, she worked it out. So, you know, I'm going to lean on my back. I'm going to push myself all the way up against the back of this thing. I'm going to put my feet in that belt and I'm going to turn it into a leg press. I'm like, whoa, that's pretty cool. That is really cool. I'm like, they were really creative in, in putting together the workout card for this thing. And then she's like, no, actually, that, that was that was me. <laughs> I, I, I said, who came up with this stuff? She's like, that was me on most of that stuff. Um, so it just goes to show where there's a will, there's a way. You get creative with it. But that thing opens up a whole bunch of options. Um, another guy that I work with, Scott, 
um, who we had to pull the plug on his show because it got canceled. So now we're like, okay, what do we do? We go back into growth phase. Cool. And, and he was like, so if I was going to get some stuff for home, what would you recommend? <laughs> and so I'm like, well, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, but what if I wanted to get X, Y, and Z too? I'm like, okay. So he ended up with a rack and all this stuff. So he's, he's good to go. He's set. So, um, it, it's curious to see how, how people respond to this a little bit differently. Um, you know, everybody's got their own reaction and it's, it's, it, it's your individual response and it, it, it is not good or bad. It is, it just is what it is. Now, sometimes responses can be more or less helpful. Like some people just get paralyzed or depressed, which that's fine. It's a very human response. I'm not here to call anybody out on that. I'm going to try and talk you through it. If, if you're my client and I'm going to be like, Hey, no, we can't, we can't sit in this land forever. You know, let's accept reality. Let's not fight it. Let's just deal with it and try to go with the flow and swim downstream with it a little bit and try and adapt as much as possible. And some people they're almost, it's almost like they've been waiting for something like this as a chance to prove that they're, that they can do this. Um, and that's really fun to see. So the direction that I've been pushing anybody in who will listen, and I've mentioned this here before, and I'll continue to do so is bands simply because it's a minimal investment, um, dollar wise. It's a complete non-investment space wise. Um, so it's very good for a temporary solution for a hundred bucks. You can get everything you need, everything you need, and you aren't going to feel like you're missing out on much of anything. So this is tooting my own horn here. But if you go to the website, fivestarphysique.com, click on the little coronavirus banner on the front page there. That'll take you to my announcement page, which is really out of date at this point. It should probably be updated. I think it was last updated in March. Oh, I don't know, 20th, 22nd, something like that. So a lot has changed since then. Um, but... Uh, from there, um, on that page, all of the uh, workouts that I've put together are available, including the band-only split, which is the one that I'm going through right now. Um, I'm about a week and a half. Uh, I've finished one rotation. I'm about halfway through the other one. Had to take a couple days off this week. We'll get to that shortly here. Um, so it's been uh, it's been really, really good. It's felt remarkably effective. Plenty of soreness. You know, I did all six workouts in a row, and then I'm like, man, I really need a day off right now. But I pushed through for another two days simply because I had to based on my schedule because I knew I had a couple of days off that were forced so I didn't want to take a rest day and then end up having to take off two other days before that so you know I went through one rotation of it I'm like man I'm ready for a day off or two right now I had to push through anyway but it's it, it's really effective it does require a little creativity so one of the things about that split is it's fully loaded up with video playlists so that you can see what I've done with all the bands I've done Instagram live a couple times in the past week as well um, during my workout so I can show people what I'm doing and kind of talk people through it and give me a reason to take some slightly longer rest breaks as well so um so i'm doing what i can but bands all the way so light bands and heavy bands um if you have trouble finding those um, I've, I've heard reports that you can still find them on amazon if you look um they are sold out and out of stock in a lot of places there but amazon's one of those things where if you search for pull-up bands you know you'll find 50 products and you just have to click through one see what's in stock and this one's like oh it's in stock oh it will get here on may 8th that's not useful okay keep looking keep looking keep looking um ebay is a better option so um you know if you search for pull-up bands on ebay because there's two types two styles of bands that we want we want the loop bands like what you use for pull-ups and preferably a multi-pack of those um i picked up a five-in-one pack that includes a really really big fat blue one in there um i picked that up i ordered it a couple days ago it'll be here on monday that's my my 
second set because um, I wanted to double up on some of them and I wanted that big blue fatty also. Um, I got that for 60, 65 bucks, that five pack, um, which is great. That, that would be all that you need. And then on top of that, we just need a set of light bands as well. Those are like the surgical tubing bands with the clips that you can hook into handles. Specifically, what you want to avoid are the ones where the handle is tied into the band. So it's like, oh, I can grab the green one or I can grab the yellow one or I can grab both of those, but then I've got to hold two handles as well. What you want are the individual bands that have the hooks on the end of them that you can then attach to handles. So you can attach all five of them in a set to one handle and then do that on both ends. That's what you really want. So look for that. You can get a set of those for 30 bucks. So like I said, between both of that, that's 95 bucks. Um, for a while I was recommending a pull-up bar as well. I have not been using mine. Um, you may need it um, just if you need a good attachment point up high and you don't have a place where you can just screw in a giant hook into your ceiling or into something outside or something like that. So you might need to get a little creative with that, but a pull-up bar works in a pinch for sure. So it's a good solution. You can find a decent pull-up bar for 30 bucks. So um, when it comes to home gyms, that's what I'm talking about. That is my home gym. It fits in my bag and I can take it with me anywhere. Um, of course, the whole point is it's a home gym, so you don't really need to take it anywhere. Um, but it can be useful. Um, you know, if you don't have any, any good attachment points or anything like that, Consider a park. If you have public parks that are still open, unlike public parks in Knoxville, Tennessee, which have been shut down because of freaking morons who are out there playing recreational sports. Their kids are out playing in groups of 30, and the parents are out there on the sidelines watching because they're like, we're not going to stay at home, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, great. All right, you just fucked everybody over. Thank you very much, you stupid pieces of shit. Ugh. Nobody here in, in town is really taking it seriously. Knoxville, Tennesseans in particular, we'll be the last ones to die, okay? But we're, we're going to die. <laughs> so uh, it, it, just because for whatever reason, uh, it, it's not overwhelming us, although it should be because we're being really stupid about the whole thing and our governor hasn't issued any really kind of decree that's useful for being proactive about this. So, um yeah, and, and just, just to be clear, um, also, a lot of people out there are like, hey, my gym's probably going to reopen on Monday or maybe the next week. It won't. It, it will not. Plan on this lasting at least through April, okay? I just want to be realistic about this. So if you're holding off on picking anything up um, and just biding your time with non-workouts or really, really bad workouts at home, um, pick up a little equipment. It, it's going to help out. If you've got the ability to do it, do it, um, just because you've got at least another month of this. Uh you know, and again, I don't want to be in the business of predicting the future because as soon as I do that, I guarantee I'm probably wrong. But I think all signs point to this lasting through April. You know, federal social, social distancing guidelines have been extended through April. You may find some states or counties that overrule that and say, no, we're opening back up. Cool. Eh, open for business. Not a good idea. Really, really not a good idea. So even if your gym opens, I would say probably a good idea not to go. Probably. Make your own call on that, but that's my recommendation. So home gyms all the way. Suddenly they become my best friend. Whoever thought that that would have happened, right? Kind of a weird turn of events there. Um, let's do a, uh, a call from someone here. Let's see what we got, and then uh, we'll move on. Hi, Darren. This is Kaya from Arizona. I'm just wondering if you have any um, novel um, hip abduction or adduction exercises that can be done from home. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Kaya. Awesome. Once again, you are uh, you are keeping the podcast alive, so thank you for that. Much appreciated. 
So, um, novel ones, I don't know if they're very novel, um, but for adduction and abduction, um, you know, the thing to keep in mind there is that for some people, if you don't train those regularly, your adductors and your, a, your adductors and your abductors, um, are going to be, you know, a little weak by comparison. So you don't need to like try and beast out some like super heavyweight anything on those. Um, for example, if you take, um, a tennis ball and put it between your feet and just squeeze that tennis ball and then release and then squeeze that tennis ball and release. That's some adduction right there. I'm talking like straight leg adduction, like on your back, ball between your legs, um, and just squeeze it. Squeeze it like trying to form it a little bit, trying to really, really squeeze it in. Um, but do that 15 times. Hold that squeeze for two to three seconds. There you go. Two forms of adduction here. The one that we're most commonly associating with the movement because of the uh, machinery that's in most gyms is the bent leg, bent knee adduction. Um, and to be clear, adduction is when you're squeezing together. Abduction is when you're pulling apart. If you want a device to help you remember that, um, think about what happens in an alien abduction, right? What are they doing? They're taking you away from your home, away from your planet, right? So when your legs are abducting, they're taking themselves away from each other. So they are separating. Um, your legs are coming apart. So you're, you're widening your stance, widening your foot positioning. So that's abduction. Adduction is when you're bringing together. Um, so... Uh, I, I think it's a good idea to do a little bit of both, um, a little bit of, um, straight leg adduction, a little bit of bent leg adduction. So, um, straight leg, just squeeze a little ball in between your feet, um, for bent knee, um, do the same thing. You can do it seated or you can do it on your back, but with your knees bent, um, and like knees, like you're in a sitting position, but you're on your back. Um, and then you'd grab something probably a little bit more substantial than a tennis ball um, and just do the same thing. Squeeze it between your knees. You know, if you have a, med a medicine ball or something like that, you don't want to go too big. Like you, you don't want to do it with a stability ball. Um, but just working isometrically like that and having something to hold in position to give you something to focus on, it implies a little bit more of a direct goal for the exercise. You don't need a huge range of motion. It's nice, but you don't need it. Um, especially if you're just starting out, um, you don't need to like go for a huge stretch and then mo make the muscles work against, um, resistance. Now you certainly can. And so you can do this with bands of course as well. And the more you progress on this, you want to use some heavy bands. So what I would do is take a heavy band and you can do this in a chair, but basically what we're going to do is isolateral adduction. So, um, we're, we're all just handling adduction right now. We'll get to abduction in a second here. Um, and I say AD and AB simply because they still sound alike, but they don't sound as similar as adduction and abduction. Um, so when trying to understand what somebody's saying, I will try and I will try and say AD versus AB. Um, so what you can do is hook a band around something. You know, the, the bands are really easy. Like you can just loop them around and tie them to anything. Um, you don't have to like be able to work it up over the top of something or under the bottom of something. You know, you can just tie the band off like you would if you're going to put it on a bar to do assisted pull-ups. Um, I think we all know what that looks like, right? Cool. Uh, so tie it around something and then put yourself off to the side of that and sit in a chair or something. And basically what you're going to do is, and, and it might help if you are on something really stable or if you have something else stable to hold on to, simply because if you really get going on this and you try to adduct your leg, uh, you might find that your body just turns and rotates or your chair moves and gets pulled towards the band if it's a really heavy one. Um, but you're going to work the same thing. So you're in the stretch position here. Your leg is being pulled out to the side toward the band, toward where the band is anchored. You still want a lot of tension on the band or at least some tension on the band in that position. Don't ever be in a place where in the stretch position on an exercise, the band is slack. 
you know, that, that is something to be avoided at all costs in every band exercise that you can possibly do. Why? It has nothing to do with it being dangerous. It has everything to do with it being ineffective. Um, you're basically taking some range of motion of that exercise and saying, okay, this part of the range of motion is totally worthless. We're doing nothing here. So always make sure that there is no slack on the band ever unless you are just getting set up. But once you're in position and ready to start a rep, there needs to be tension on the band already. That is a universal truth of bands. Um, so you're going to have some tension on there with your leg out to the side, and then you're going to hold on to something, something stable or whatever, um, and find a way to just keep your body steady but bring that leg in. So you're going to adduct the leg from the seated position. I would work on that. It's, it's a lot easier to, to do it from a standing position where your leg's out to the side, you're standing straight up, and then you just bring your leg in. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, um, but if we're looking for something that's a little bit more creative, doing it seated um, is probably a little bit more productive. Um, if, you had, if you had to pick one or the other, I would do it seated. So you can do it isometrically just by squeezing something between your feet or your knees or against band resistance as well. Adduction works much the same way. So here, um, again, straight leg or bent leg adduction works the gluteus medius a little bit differently. So I would do both. Um, unweighted, um, you, especially, you know, guys, if you don't train your gluteus medius a lot, you don't do a lot of abduction, um, just get on your side and just do leg raises to the side. You don't even need any resistance. Um, now, if you want to add some, you could add a band from right there. Um, if you've got a band with an ankle cuff, all the better. Um, uh, what, what I have, I have a set of ankle cuffs um, that I just carry around, and so I've found some uses for those using bands. Um, what you might want, what I might recommend for that, especially if you're relatively new to this, is um, using a light band, but maybe double it over on itself. Um, so it, it's not quite as long, and also it provides a little bit more resistance. Um, but you're not going to need a lot for this, realistically. If you're going around the feet, if you're, if you're hooked and you've got resistance around the knees, um, certainly you can handle a little bit more weight there. The body's a lot stronger, but down at the foot, not so much. Um, it's just a longer moment arm, so any weight that you apply down there is going to feel a lot heavier. So just on your side, leg raises. Um, and what I would do is take the ankle cuff, clip the band into it, and then loop the midpoint of the band around a hook or something like that. And then just wiggle your way on the floor so that the starting position, you've still got some tension on the band, and then that tension increases as you go through the range of motion for the exercise. Um, and then seated, it's a little bit trickier, but if you take a heavy band, um, and, and this is one where you know it's entirely possible that you might have a tough time um, keeping tension on the band throughout the whole thing. But if you take a heavy band and you loop it over itself um, and then stick that around so you're basically making the band, you know, half the uh, half the diameter or half the circumference, I guess, whatever. Um, and then you just slip that over your legs. And then you just do pull-aparts like seated abduction pull-aparts. That's a good option there. So it um, does require some equipment for those. Um, there, there are equipment-free options, like certainly, especially for guys, if we have weak gluteus medius, just doing bodyweight leg raises can certainly be sufficient. But don't underestimate the benefit that you can get from that. Good question on that, Kaya. Thank you. So I need to make a note here. What was Kaya asking about? She was asking about adduction and abduction. Cool. So let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do my little personal update here. Why not? So <clears throat> what have I been up to? Um, a lot. Yesterday was quite possibly one of the busiest and hardest days of my life, um, which says a lot about what my life has looked like up till now, that that qualifies as busiest and hardest. So it was, it was a long day. It was exhausting. It was draining. I mean, I've had days where I'm doing manual labor for 13 hours, so it, well, it wasn't that, okay? 
don't uh, lest anyone misinterpret and be like, man, that guy's never worked an honest day in his life. I've worked some days for sure. Um, but as far as just like the stuff that I had to do, the variety of stuff that was going on and the challenge imposed by some of those things, it was hard. It was really challenging. So yesterday was a full work day. Thursdays are a busy day for me with an eight hour session in the studio right smack dab in the middle of that day. So it was wake up at 4.30, work until around 8.15, eat, drive to the studio, be there from nine to five, come home, have a quick little, oh my God, what the fuck just happened moment, and then get back to work by 5.30. I finished up around 7.15. So, you know, all told it was like, what, a 15-hour day or so of work. Um, some of it was certainly play, but it was, yesterday it was work for sure in the studio. So we last connected here, what, this would have been, when was the last episode? Was it last Friday? Was it last Friday? What was it here? It was... March 27th, last Friday. Yeah, so last Friday, um, my wife was in the studio doing vocals. Gotcha. And then she was back in there on Monday as well this week. And <laughs> it was kind of funny. This gives you an idea of what's involved in the studio when you're doing vocals. So um, very different stories here, Monday versus Wednesday. I'll tell you both of those. So um, Wednesday, um, we had um, Vince, our bass player, come in, and we had seven songs to get through we were done by noon he came in at nine he just blasted through those things he is a pro uh he knows what he's doing he's fantastic um and he'd done his homework he'd charted stuff out he knew what to do we didn't really have to walk him through anything he was ready he had five songs on electric bass and two on upright double bass as well which was really cool to hear that come to life finally so um and we just took a half day on wednesday we're like okay this is the day set aside for bass tracking we're done by 12 30 let's get out of here everybody take the afternoon off so we counted that as a half day and that's that Versus Monday, where Dina goes into the studio, uh, and I went in there with her for some of it, um, and eight-hour day in the studio, she spent seven and a half hours in there working on one song, and it has nothing to do with her lack of experience or anything like that, and it has everything to do with the importance of getting the vocal perfect, absolutely perfect. And when you have an engineer slash producer who's sitting at that console listening to everything and saying, hearing a phrase and being like, you didn't give me anything on those two words. The third word was ready. I could tell you were thinking about that one. The first two didn't feel important. They got mumbled. Or, you know, like, oh, you, your voice is going back up into your nose. We've got to get it back down in your throat. Hearing that kind of stuff. Or like, you know, that word, I just didn't believe it. I didn't believe that word. So that's what a day in the vocal booth is like for her. So, and it's one of those things where it's like, she's been singing for decades. She knows how to do this. Singing in the studio is a completely different thing. It's like an entirely different skill set. And so I just have such ridiculous respect for the effort that she's putting in there because it is so hard. It is so hard. And he'll give her a little break periodically. Like he'll hammer the hell out of her. and just never, Again, that was perfect. Do it again. That's one of his favorite things to say. Perfect. Do it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cracks me up, but it kind of kind of frustrates her a little bit. If it was perfect, why do I have to do it again? Um, which is understandable. Um, but he'll just, you know, have her drill, drill, drill for like 45 minutes straight in the booth, come out, and she comes out and she's like sweating. <laughs> it's like it is hard work in there. Plus, um, that room is soundproof, and if something's soundproof, it's airproof also. Um, so there isn't a lot of circulation happening in there. But it's, it's just really hard work to do it right. 
like you know to to have that come across in sound the way that you want it to like you have to act and make your face so huge and exaggerate these movements so much and that's what make that's what really sells it when you listen to it it's really fascinating seeing that happen because for me i did all the piano tracks in two days I'm like okay done and and i'm like Whew, that was kind of hard I, I had no idea what hard was until i've seen her bust her ass every freaking day in there so that was monday and wednesday and then yesterday we had our good friend um bill walker um come in and lay down some trumpet for us on a tune and uh, that was about an hour and a half and then the rest of the day was me on guitar i'm not a guitarist but i'm the guitarist for this album <laughs> not so much by choice but kind of by default because um you know we had a, a couple of other guitarists we were talking to and everything just kind of fell through or didn't work out for whatever reason so it ended up being me um and it's not all going to be me there's a couple of songs that have some pretty blazing solos that i it's just so far beyond my pay grade i'm not even going to attempt it i wouldn't want to i want to hear something real on that for the rhythm parts i'm like well technically i can do this so why don't i just do it and it'll take a little bit longer than if we had a session player come in and do it but i'm going to do my best and we're going to see what happens and it gives me a chance to you know be more involved in the album as well because otherwise you know i was in there for day 2 and 3 to record my piano i haven't done anything since other than just go in and watch. I've just been a fly on the wall. So it gets me a little bit more involved. So I had my first day yesterday. We made it through almost three songs. Um, and uh, it was very interesting. So um, the first song was the same one that Bill came in and played his trumpet on. So that tune is done. You're going to hear that in a second here. Um, but it's funny because that song had just like some, some lightly strummed chords high up on the fretboard. Um, but still, it's like, okay, fingering, okay, and then I move down here, okay, and then I move down here. And I'm worried about my right hand. I play left-handed, so my right hand is the fretting hand. So um, I'm worried about right hand, right hand, right hand, right hand, right hand. Not even realize, like, oh, crap, I'm not even hitting the right strings over here. I mean, that's where I'm at on guitar. That's my skill level. Like, I can, I can fake it and I can make it work. But when you've got a serious guy who's a professional guitarist manning the console in the uh, in the studio, because Travis, our engineer, he's a guitarist, and he's like, thank God, he's a guitar teacher as well. So basically, I paid for a really expensive guitar lesson yesterday in the studio. <laughs> That's kind of what it came down to. Uh, he's like, oh, your left hand technique, nope, okay, never fret that chord that way again because if you do it, it's going to be out of tune. Look at how you're pushing down on that string. You're hammering it, and it's, it's moving. It's coming all the wrong way. Never fret it that way again. Do this. So I had to like try and relearn some habits there. Um, funny enough, it's like the what to play, like getting my fingers in the right spot for the right chords, wasn't really the problem. He was like, I need more aggression. I need more bounce. I need more feel. I need more dance. That was the kind of stuff that I had to think about yesterday, which was interesting because it's nothing that I ever think about when I play, which is why it sounds so horrible when you hear it back. So the stuff that I did yesterday was pretty good. I was okay with it. Um, so that was kind of fun. Um, and so now I've got what well, I don't go back until let's see. Dina is booked on Friday, a week from today. I don't go back until I think Monday and Tuesday of the following week. So I've got a good week and a weekend to practice and get my chops up and relearn some of my parts for the, the rest of the songs that we need to get through. Um, one of the songs that we did yesterday, I got all the parts down for it, except for one where I went to play it and he's like, mm, that's not right. <laughs> 
because <laughs> he'd heard my scratch track. He's like, go and relearn that part. <laughs> Learn that over the weekend. We'll, we'll get that figured out. So um, anyway, what I want to play for you here is um, I'm going to do an A-B comparison for you like I've done before. Like here's home demo version, and then here's the studio version. So um, I've played this before, but I'm just going to play a little snippet of it for you right here. This is our song, Becoming Velveteen. So that was uh, that was the demo version, <laughs> and so now uh, now what we have this is the studio version that same snippet of the song. So what's different here? Well, I mean it's it's different people playing. So I mean that studio version was all or that demo version that you just heard was all me and my wife. So I'm playing everything, or the drums were programmed by me. She was singing. Um, so this is her singing, me on piano and guitar, Andy Campbell on drums. Um, Vincent Logan on bass and Bill Walker on trumpet and realistically there's there's better equipment involved here that really has nothing to do with it it's just better playing and better ideas all around and the vocal is uh, a little bit more amped up I guess you would say so here is the studio version different a little bit more amped up just a little bit more to it um better performances all around um the composition's the same i mean the song is the same thing i'm having that trumpet thrown in there makes a big difference though i mean that that didn't take long for for bill to throw that part together either he just practiced a little bit he came in and you know on the on the demo track that I had it wasn't in that section but like at the beginning parts I had a little keyboard trumpet thrown in like I just dialed up a, a muted trumpet sound on my keyboard and played a little melody and 
I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, that's not bad. I don't know. That doesn't sound too bad. Let's get Bill in and see what he can do. And the first note that he played, I'm like, yeah, no. That's <laughs> like, so much better. I mean, and if, if he was doing stuff I'm like, yeah, there's no way I could do that on a keyboard at all. Not even close. Not even close. And I feel idiotic for even entertaining the thought. Um, so there you go. That's what the studio is doing. So that song right there is pretty much done. That's the first one that's pretty much done. And I asked Travis, the engineer, I'm like, you know, is that song done or what? And he's like, oh, we don't know. We have no idea. He's like, you know, we need to, you know, I'm, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to have it in my headphones, listening to it while I mow the lawn. And I'm going to be like, you know, we need a kazoo in there, too. And so you know, time will tell. The song will tell us when it's done. So as far as I'm concerned, all the tracks that I had in the demo, we have we have translated those and adapted those and brought in official versions for this studio version. So now, you know, it might need something else. It might not. It might be done. I don't know. Um, we might want to add a little background vocal here and there. It's just one lead vocal all the way through. It's really strong. I don't feel like it's missing anything, but there might be some spots where we decide we want a little accent here and there, a little extra emphasis or whatever. So that's the process. That's how it goes. Um, it's been extremely enlightening and very rewarding. So I've got some guitar practice to do there. Um, what you heard there throughout that song, there are four guitar tracks in there. They're all kind of buried for the most part, except at the end, after that big note, and we come in for that last verse where it faded out on, you can hear there's kind of there's a pretty heavy distorted guitar in there. Um, so, um, But the rest of them are a little bit more light, a little bit more... Uh, ambiance and actually there's a, a skank guitar in there as well that's a funny phrase i know skank guitar think reggae that's what it is that that's a what they call it a skank guitar for some reason i don't know why but there you go i didn't make up the phrase uh, so there, that was interesting to play as well because uh you know it sounds kind of really laid back and violent and travis when he's getting me to when he's coaching me on how to do it he's like that needs to be so violent you're going to feel like you're about to break strings. It's like that's how you play that thing. So it was, it was a, a sharp learning curve yesterday. So I've got some practice to do here. I'm going to get that all dialed in and go back, you know, the week after next and see what I can do. So while we're at it here, um, I've got one more voicemail. And then after this, I'm cleaned out. i got nothing left. So I'll be waiting for additional questions. So let's tackle this and see what we got. Hi, Darren. It's Aaron from Minneapolis. I wanted to talk about fiber and how it should be timed. I know uh, you are my coach, so on my plan, you mentioned that sugar uh, should be kept to a minimum. Anything above five grams should be kept pre or post workout. Uh, I wanted to see if there's any um, guidance around high fiber versus low fiber uh, around workouts. I'm trying to make sure I get enough fiber in. But um, I also want to make sure I'm uh, regulating my blood sugar. And there's times where uh, I really just want to have some kind of sweet post-workout non-fibrous treat. Hope all is well, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Aaron. All is well. And to answer your question, no. Okay, it's been a great episode, everybody. Appreciate you coming in and listening and making this a part of your day. Um, I'm just kidding, but that is basically the answer here. Um, no, for, for fiber, fiber is one of those things, it's kind of funny. Um, so there's different types of fiber, fiber, soluble versus insoluble. I'm less concerned with that. I use fiber more as a troubleshooting technique, which is to say, because there's so much stuff to worry about. And that's just another thing to, to put on the list. Um, you know, you've got macros, you've got 
carb timing, which I would not put fiber in the same bucket of concern that I would put carb timing there, which is your main question. I wouldn't know and sweat that, but we've got, you know, macros, carb timing, water intake, sleep, cardio, rest days, training, which is a big one. And that's a whole, you know, that's a whole other mountain to tackle in and of itself. Like how effective can we make everything related to training? So, you know, let's, let's focus on the stuff that we need to worry about. And some other things like fiber fall into the bucket of, okay, I'm going to give you this to consider. I want you to know it's there. I want you to know this is a concept that it's, it's something that, you know, if you're doing macros, you're tracking, whether you know it or not, because my fitness pal or whatever app you use, will track your fiber intake as well. Whoa. We don't need that. Hold on. The outro music started there on its own. Move over, Rover. We don't need you there. Okay. Um, so you know, your, your app will be tracking that for you. So we don't, we don't really need to be too concerned about that realistically. Um, but it, it's one of those things that we'll use it as a troubleshooting tool more than anything else. And it becomes relevant when it's like, Hey, are you constipated? Yes. Okay, let's go back and look at your fiber intake for the last few days and see what the pattern is here. Um, but until that becomes an issue, it's not really something that I'm super concerned with. And at that point, it's going to come down to two things. Okay, what is your overall intake? And how does that relate to your, your carb intake? Like what percentage is your fiber intake to your carb intake? And there's not really a guideline like, oh, it should be this percentage. But I'm just going to say like, hmm, that seems really high or hmm, that seems really low. So fiber can be too high for sure. Um, if you're getting 40, 50 grams a day, it's probably more than you need. Is that going to make you constipated? No, um, probably not. Depends on what the source is. And that's the other question is where are you getting it from? If you're, if you're like, my fiber intake is 20 grams and I'm getting 16 of those from Quest, from a Quest bar every day, N bad news bears. You know, Quest bars are the kind of things that they're more likely to cause digestive problems than to resolve them and keep things moving. So, and that just has to do with the quality of the fiber that's in those things. It's just garbage. It's like crap food. Um, and I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Quest Nutrition. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they will not be reaching out to me for sponsorship anytime soon. I can promise you that. Uh, not a fan. Not a fan. Um, but so we, we're concerned about the type and where it's coming from and how much. Um, but I always tell people also, it's like, if you're not having digestive issues, if you're not constipated, don't sweat it because that means your intake is where it needs to be. That's what fiber does is it helps regulate that. So if you're regular already, don't sweat it. You know what, wherever, if your intake might be really low, you might be getting 12, 13, 14 grams a day. You know what that tells me? That's where your body's happy. So that's fine. Don't upset the apple cart. Don't feel like you've got to go start throwing extra stuff in there. Um, when it comes to macros, um, for the plans that I write, I do a total carb approach. I don't do net carbs, but I do track fiber um, just because I subtract those calories. So I do a net calorie approach, but not net carbs. Let me explain that a little bit more. So um, if you have a food that is 20 grams of carbs and 5 grams of fiber, it's got 15 net grams of carbs. So the question then is, okay, well, do I track the 15 or do I track the 20? Well, for me, you know, every coach is, is going to have their own guidelines on this. And if they don't, it just tells me that they haven't thought it through. Um, so ask your coach, <clears throat> what of those do I track? Well, for me, it, it's pretty clear because, and I, I've talked about this before, there isn't really a solid guideline in the United States about how food suppliers need to label that on their nutrition facts information. So you will find some uh, foods out there um, that follow rule set A, which is we have 20 grams of fiber, 
five of which are, or, I'm sorry, 20 grams of carbs, five of which are fiber. So we have 15 grams of net carbs, but we're reporting the 20. We're reporting total carbs. And then you have some that will say, uh, if, if you look for this, you'll find this on some foods, some foods, there are two grams of carbs, five grams of fiber. Well, that just tells me that the two grams of carbs, they're reporting a net carb number there. There's the music again. I'm talking too long. Good Lord, this is getting annoying. Who runs this show? Who's the producer for this show? You are fired, whoever you are. Good Lord. Man, what a shit show. Um, I'm going to have to have a talk with my producer off air. I don't want anybody to hear all the profanity that's going to come from that conversation. <clears throat> too late. Uh, where was I? Oh, so they're reporting net carbs in that situation because your fiber is higher than your carb total, which is not possible uh, unless you follow a net carb approach. So it would be more accurate to um, to report that you have seven grams of carbs, five of which are fiber. So fiber is a subset of your carbohydrate number. Um, so you, you will find foods that use both of those labeling schemes. The total carb approach is the more common one. So that's what I use in my macros simply because everything that doesn't follow that approach is going to require you to create a custom entry for it in MyFitnessPal or whatever your app is that uses the total carb number. So I'm just kind of going with the flow and say I do total carbs because that's how most foods will report it on their label. So uh, if you find one that doesn't do that, you may have to use a little bit of detective skills in order to figure it out. And the biggest clue is if your fiber is greater than your carbs, which is not always going to be the case. So then you might have to look at calories and say if something has, you know, 20 grams of carbs and 10 grams of fiber. Um, but then you have to look at the calorie number and say, wait, are, is this calorie number, is this influenced by 20 grams of carbs or 30? Are they doing a net carb approach here or not? So, you know, I mean, it takes some due diligence to um, to do that, which is why my, tip, my typical rec- recommendation is a little bit weird, and that is avoid foods that are super high in fiber just because they fuck up the math in a really annoying way. And it takes a lot of work to know which subset, which rule set you're dealing with. Are, are you dealing with something that's labeled with total carbs or with net carbs? And if you're off, if you guess wrong and it's a high-fiber food, that's going to throw your macros way off for the day. So it's just easier to avoid those. Get your fiber in from normal sources. You know, Don't use high-fiber tortillas, Quest bars, or anything like that that have 10, 12, 14 grams of fiber per serving. Just because you're, you're more likely to screw up your numbers. That's all there is to it. It's not that the foods are inherently bad except Quest bars, which are shit. Um, but it's just it, it's an accounting thing more than anything else. And that's a recommendation that I give people. It's not a hard and fast rule or anything like that. So, um, back to, to Aaron's question, however, which was more about timing, et cetera. Um, no, I'm, I'm not concerned about fiber timing at all. Fiber isn't something, I mean, those are calories that are not absorbed and processed by your body. So they, they, they are passed through. So what that means is it takes a certain amount of time for anything to pass through your body entirely, which means it's kind of like, you know, if you take a, uh, take a, a medicine, what's the half-life on it? You know, how long does it take for it to clear out of your system? How long does it take for the ibuprofen to kick in, et cetera? Uh, how long does it take for the carbs that you had pre-workout to be available as an energy source? Um, you know, how rapidly will your post-workout carbs replenish your glycogen stores? Those are relevant questions. Fiber doesn't matter. Just keep it coming in, keep it going out, keep it coming in, keep it going out. A couple grams here, a couple grams there, blah, 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 fine. Doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about timing that at all. Timing is completely and totally irrelevant when it comes to fiber. So, good question, though. 
know. And what I like about that, Aaron, is it shows me that you're thinking about stuff, which I really like. And asking those questions where it's like, hey, you know what? I've never thought to answer that question before because it's never entered into my head. It doesn't mean it's not a good one, though. So that's that's really good. I, I like that. Very useful there. So that's it. I've rambled on for close to an hour. There's your Friday podcast. So it is now 8.15. I said I started this at about 7.15. Yeah, minimal downtime. I just had to take a little downtime to go and uh, bring in those little song snippets and edit those together. This is good, though. This is good. I feel like I'm... Feel like I'm back. I'm back, baby. Um, so I should be back maybe on Monday as well. That's up to you. That's up to you. I, like I said, I am caught up. I have cleared out my queue of voicemail questions. So I need your help um, to help replenish that. Give me some stuff to talk about. There's there's a little bit of stuff going on. Give me some insight on your particular scenario. What you're doing at home. Questions you have about your home workouts. Anything like that. Um, shoot one over. Let's talk. Let's talk. Eight six five five one eight. 2974. Are you struggling with anything in particular right now? Uh, do you feel like you are a raging success story right now? I'd like to hear from both sides of the spectrum on that. Let's hear some voices in here. So last time, 865-518-2974. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate it. Um, we'll be back with any luck on Monday. We'll see how that goes. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay clean. Watch your